All right, welcome to Silver Heathen Podcast. I am the Silver Heathen. My name is Scott. Welcome, friend and foe. Uh, it always feels too long in between podcasts these days uh, with work and life, um, but really happy to uh, have April on today. April, we'll just jump right in. Welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, welcome to the show. So I am a professional mental health and substance abuse counselor. I have been in the field for 16 years, uh, going on 17 years here soon. And I have, um, I have addiction in my past, uh, different substances. So I actually have, um, I, I don't count anymore, but uh, it's about 35 years sober. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. So, yeah. I um did have like two or three times in there where there was mini relapses. And I say mini because when we relapse, we never actually know how long that's going to last. We tell ourselves just today or just tonight or just this weekend. Um, so like my first one was like a day and the second one was like three days. So I got, I feel like I got lucky in that aspect. Sure. Um, but I like working in addiction. Um, it's my passion. There was a point where I kind of left the field and went just straight over to like just doing mental health. And I actually really missed working in substance abuse. So sure. it's something I really like to do. So that's my work life. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pretty, pretty good one. Yeah. I mean, 16, 17 years and something. That's uh, that's really amazing. Um, you know, uh, being coming from addiction, I think, you know, to work with other people, it obviously gives you an education that other people don't have. I've kind of found it weird, and this might be wrong of me to say, but I say what I feel on the podcast. So. <laughs> Like I'll get in real life situations or not, but everything's real life. I'll get in a situation where I'm dealing with people um, and I'll be like, man, give me an alcoholic or an addict. I can talk to them and we can have yeah. more adult conversations than I can with the normies. As I reference yeah. people sometimes, you know, it's just like a, there's a, yeah, it sucks. And the years of years that I went through of alcoholism, it really sucks to go through all that, all that I had to, but it really um it really brings other things into perspective yeah yeah I find that too it's um you know when you've been through life and you've been through challenges uh there's a level where you can kind of relate with those who have been through the same thing I think that's one of the things about my job that pretty much helps the most is that I've actually been there um, so I can relate with my clients. So I have been through, um, I've actually been through abuse. I've been through divorce. I have been through murder, suicide, uh, sudden death. Um, I have five girls and a niece. Um, my girls go from 35 to 15 years old. So I've raised wow. six teenage girls. You know, so I have life knowledge. And to me, the life knowledge is much more important than the book knowledge. Absolutely. Right? I have several degrees, but the life knowledge is to me more valuable and it allows you to relate to the client. 
absolutely you know where you get it i find that and that is something that helps the clients to kind of because i i know what i look like but you know and sometimes people will look at me and they'll be like she doesn't have any issues uh, sure well uh that's not how it works right and then they relax and then they're willing to open up and to share and you know to grow yeah i mean uh, i as far as my last sobriety date the last time i had a drink was september 11th of last year so that that date's coming up for that year but nice. i consider myself been in recovery for quite a while um since 2020 i really started to go hey, hey i got a sponsor I just, something wasn't clicking. There were attempts, there'd be, you know, a few months here, a few months there, relapse, relapse, worse than ever, like the, the whole roller coaster. I feel like I've been working toward it for a lot longer than what my sobriety date is. Um, but, um, you know, you kind of met, you mentioned relapses. I wonder if that, you know, with your both real life education and your, um, uh, your education, education, uh, Talk a little bit more about those relapses and how, yes, they, they last different times, but what do you tell somebody well, we, that, talk about relapse, I guess. Well, we use because we don't like how we're feeling. That's why we use. We want to change how we're feeling. Either we want to, you know, not feel the sad, the depression, the anger, the anxiety. And for some, it's they want to be happier. They, you know, they want to go to this party and then they feel like in order to really enjoy themselves, they need to use. So what I found was that's the main thing is we use because we want to feel different. We don't want to feel the way we feel normal. And if we can get ourselves to where we're okay normally, we will quit seeking something outside of ourselves. Sure. Quit looking, right? The other biggest thing that um i have found you know not just with myself but clients is um not truly embracing there is no such thing as one there there is no such thing as one it just is not a thing um and if you can get those two and really get a harness on those those are probably the two main factors so emotions, we have emotions because we're human and that's, it's going to happen. I think there's also kind of that like pink cloud where we're, we're not going to have any bad emotions, right? If we get sober, right, right. we're not going to have any struggles, Sure. but the reality is, is we're going to have emotions and we will always have them in learning to be with them instead of running from them. That's one of the biggest things. Yeah, I think you said a bunch of things that really hit home with me. Um, you know, the more that I, I, I've, I've dealt with the trauma, I've been to four treatments. I've really talked, I've had countless therapists and counselors and psychiatrists even dealing with the trauma. Um, but, and I, I talk about this a lot uh, with people and on the podcast. Uh, at six months, I remember hitting my six month uh, sobriety eight this time around and life had never felt better. Six months in one day was a complete shit show. And mm -hmm. I just hated everything. I didn't want to get out of bed. I just, everything was miserable. And it's been like that. And, you know, last couple of weeks have been challenging because now when I, now when I think about drinking, it's like you said, I want to feel, it's not to ignore anything. I want to feel something, feel 
better. You know, that's, that's what it tries, you know, that's what it's, my mind is trying to tell me, you know, I can at least feel something if I'm drunk, you know, because things kind of get numb and I, and it's really important to have, you know, and, and it sounds redundant, but those connections, you know, one of the treatments they told me connection is opposite of addiction. So all these connections that you have to have and utilize these things to create those connections that you don't want to lose um, a life that you don't want to drink over, you know, and a lot of times, and, and for me, like I, looking at things right now, everything, my kids are coming back from life. They're 10. You know, I have a job that I want to do. I, I used to coach baseball and basketball, and now I'm kind of doing the recovery coach thing or working into that role and working with people and just talking about my journey. Um, I'm doing everything and I have everything in my life that I thought I'd never have back again. A year ago, if you would have told me that I'd be sitting here doing this podcast and working where I'm working, have things, um, I would have gnawed off my own arm in order to get to this spot that, that's what you told me I had to do but it's inside like you're talking about there's something you know for in yourself yes yeah it's it and that is also the key to being sober is you know it's important to have reasons like my kids my mom my grandma something like that but it really has to come from within you you sure. have to be tired you have to be done you have to want a different life um, because if we use these external reasons which they help um, but if that's the sole reason then it normally doesn't work you know yeah I think the best um, advice that was given to me from a sponsor was to stop calling everybody at home and I did that for two or three weeks in treatment um, mm -hmm. and stop putting how I feel for that day and this week all dependent on those calls and focused oh, yeah. on myself and that really that really did help yeah yeah that's that is an, I know a lot of people um so I don't know if you know like in our area there's a treatment facility it's actually where I did my internship was Odyssey Health okay and it's a behavioral modification facility and one of the first things was um they take your phone and everybody is so upset but it's so important to focus on yourself because addiction really in the at the in the end it is about you in your internal world inside and healing that internal world and getting yourself to that space where you feel okay it that is truly what it's about um and then learning that life is going to have challenges and you have to learn to go through the challenges so you know in meetings the the phrase that they have is that you are the age that you started using. Yeah. yeah. And while there's some truth to that, it's not really the age because I've seen, I've had so many clients. I've had clients from, I don't know, 16 years old. My oldest client was 72. Um, and it's not really the age because I've had people who have been able to, um, like mature it's that your coping skills are the age you started using okay so if you started really using at 17 but you have 40 year old life 17 year old coping skills don't match 40 year old life sure. right so what we have to do is learn to get the coping skills up to date when you start using so when i uh, was getting my masters i had this question of like why do people become addicts 
why do some people become addicts and others don't? Because most teenagers try drugs. Not all, but most, right? Sure. But why do some become addicts? And what I found was that there were some factors. So one was you had the genetic disposition. So that meant that um, somebody in your family had addiction, whether that was five grandpas ago or whatever, it was in your DNA. So you had a higher likelihood, right? The other one was um, having some sort of neglect, abuse, trauma, that kind of thing in your life. And then the last one was having um, mental health issues. So if you had any depression, anxiety, bipolar, those were the three factors that led someone to trying a drug and then feeling that relief. And then what happens is, is any point forward that you feel any type of stress or adversity, the body and the mind says, hey, just go do that. So we stop coping. And the drug copes for us. So when you get sober, life seems really hard, but it's because we have to bring our coping skills up to date to match, you know, 40, 50, 60 year old life. And that's the primary thing that I work with with clients is getting their coping skills up to date, helping them to be able to deal with life on life's terms, you know. So what what are some of the coping skills that you see most often? Um, I mean, obviously dealing with feelings, that's, that's a big one, you know, that's a, you drown that out. But I, I noticed for me in, in my journey that, you know, um, bills and saving money and those type of adulting things, I, I didn't start drinking until I was 21, you know, so I was a little farther than some people um, that start in high school and stuff. Um, but I know that, uh, you know, bills come and I get anxiety and I just toss them to the side or, you know, I'll, I'll save some money and then I'll spend a little bit and then I'll be like, oh, screw it. You know, I'm not going to have enough anyway. So I'm just going to spend the rest of it really juvenile way of thinking. Um, but what are some, what are some skills that you see that really work for people? What are some techniques or things that you have them do that really show progress? So one of the first things that I do is um, a lot of teaching. It's a lot of teaching and understanding of what addiction really is. So, for example, like the thing that was talked about, like the coping skills that you haven't had to really cope with anything because the drug's been coping for you. And that's why it seems like you're being sober, you're doing the right thing, and it seems like life is coming after you. Life's not coming after you. We just haven't been able to cope not to mention the mess that we create has to clear up, right? You have to stay sober long enough for the mess to clear up that we created. But the other thing is um, also a lot of teaching of what addiction really is in the body and how that affects the body and how it affects the mind. So for example, people, um, there is the saying, there's no such thing as one. People normally don't, fully understand what that means they know that it means I can't have one but they don't really understand why and this is not 
of course, a complete description, but it's enough for people to really get it. So every human, actually animal, mammal, has what's called homeostasis. Homeostasis is, am I okay? It's keeping everything at an even keel. So am I hungry? Am I tired? Am I cold? Is something hurting? That's homeostasis. The body's always working on that. This is why like at night you're sleeping and you get a blanket. You're like, how did I even get that? Well, you got cold. So your body's always working on it. When you have an addiction, it adds your addiction to your homeostasis. So it says, I'm not really hungry, not really tired, but we don't have that. Go get that. And when you get that, then we'll be okay. So your body now thinks that addiction is actually part of its regular functions. That's the craving. That's the body. Anything outside of the body is a trigger. Okay. <clears throat> so when you get sober and you stay sober long enough, the cells have to figure out how to go back to normal. And the body starts screaming. But when you take a drug, it goes into the body. And it's really any drug. The whole body is affected. There's approximately 50 trillion cells in the human body. Every single cell is addicted. That means that your eyelashes, your elbows, it's all addicted. Alcohol, weed, whatever doesn't go into the body and say, you know what? I don't really like feet. I'm going to skip that part. Right. right? It doesn't do that. So people have to really understand the entire body is addicted. The All your cells. Cells are microscopic. You can't see them. Sure. They're teeny tiny, right? But they're like a hologram of you. If you just take one cell look at it it's like a hologram so every cell is addicted when you get sober and the cells finally start to figure okay how can i do this normally oh i can do this normally yes you can all it takes is one drop of your drug and you wake up all 50 trillion cells Mm -hmm. that is why there's no such thing as so that's one of the things that i do is teach I teach them really what's happening with addiction. What's really happening in your mind? What's happening in your body? And um, the other big things that I find literally across the board, and this is global. I have worked with people that are, you know, in different countries and things like that. Um, is self-esteem and anxiety. Those two factors are literally global. People do not have self-esteem and they have tremendous amounts of fear. Um, And they have these conditioned patterns of not believing in themselves, not feeling like they're worthy, not feeling like they deserve good. So we'll have people that will get sober, they'll do good, and then they'll self-sabotage. Right. And then the anxiety is just, it's seriously so prevalent 
so many people are just afraid and the mind runs and runs and runs and tells them all these stories. And um, so those are the two other biggest things that I have to work with pretty much with almost every client, even if I have a client that doesn't necessarily have issues. And I do have some of those clients where they're doing pretty well. They have a, they have a little bit of an addiction. That anxiety is still there. Yeah, I, 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 you know, it's amazing. I, I haven't done thousands of podcasts, but I've done, I think, hundreds now. And I've had people from, you know, um, Australia, Ireland, England. Uh, I've had Canada, all over the U.S. And it just amazes me how you can hear people saying a lot of the same things. But when you say it a certain way, it's really what catches people's heart. When you talk about the cells and how every cell is addicted and how, you know, one cell being triggered will wake up the rest. I, I, I think it's when when people can explain it in different ways and, and use that, 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 I mean, that really made me think about it in a different way. And I think that's why I really do this podcast is because, you know, um, just hearing the same thing, but maybe even worded a little bit differently can be the difference between a breakthrough and somebody just saying, all right, I've heard this a hundred times, but I think that's, that's, mm -hmm. that's very fascinating. You know, AA, obviously, you know, uh, AA is, you know, one's too many and a thousand's not enough. You know, that's kind of yeah. where I thought we were, you were going. And then you went completely different with the cells. And I think that was fantastic. That's a, that was a really interesting way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And that's just something that I have cultivated from, you know, again, life and then being in the field. Um, it's just something that just kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, wait a minute. What, you know, why is it so hard? Why are the cravings so strong? Why, you know, and of course, cravings and triggers play on each other, but um, it is much easier to ward off the triggers when you don't have the cravings. But again, they do play off of each other. And then my thing was always like, it needs to make sense to me it needs to make sense and it needs to be understandable because if it doesn't make sense and they can't understand it then I can't use it so it's just my way of trying to get people to really understand what's happening in their body yeah because I mean you know I, I know in my thought process uh, not understanding the chemical side and and what's going on inside the body it's just I'm bad I'm bad. Mm, yeah. I'm bad because I do this. And mm -hmm. it, it really takes some relief off you to realize that it's a lot more than just poor decisions. And it, it, it takes forever for people to realize I did bad. I am not bad. And then, and I'm still working on that, but you, you just, the way society reacts to, and, and, uh, you, uh, I, I hate saying hard drug users. I hate that because it's like, alcohol and drugs both suck equally it's not like oh hard drugs like but you know um and then, then I lost my thought because I went off on a tangent well about hard drugs. there <laughs> is um so that is another thing that I have to work a lot with people is that guilt that shame mm -hmm. and there are still many many people out there who believe that addiction is just purely moral it's purely right. just stop just yes. don't do it well, if you actually that. understand yeah. the biological part of it, it is much harder than just stop. Now there, I have seen people just stop. Um, I've actually had some people in my family just stop. Yeah. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, <clears throat> but it's Can't more, stand much more than that. Can't stand yeah. those people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, just like, like <laughs> whatever, you know, um, I actually had an uncle who he 
just stopped and, and now he drinks a pot of coffee a day but he just stopped and he just started drinking coffee yeah. just, nope never said a word never said ow never said nothing just yeah. done you know but most people it's not like that so it is much more than a moral decision um it is a biological issue it's it is a moral ethical issue it is also an emotional mental issue yeah uh, it's a huge it's way more dynamic than that and um you know if it if it wasn't that then i wouldn't have a job it yeah you know if and that is why we have meetings we have aa and a smart recovery we have those because it does require support you need support for it um and then you know the thing about um the guilt and the shame so shame is i'm a bad person that is shame guilt is i have done something bad there is a difference between shame and guilt the thing is is that guilt only serves a purpose until you learn the lesson after the lesson is learned after you can pull out whatever you can pull out of that experience guilt is useless it will not help you it will only hold you back yes right perfect and you have to understand that there are two of you inside one body so unfortunately you share the same body you share the same life but there is an, an addict part of you and there is you. The addict only knows you. It only knows get me my drug. Now, when you take a drug and it's really any drug. <clears throat> so I had a daughter. I have had a daughter. I have a daughter. Um, that there was one point where she would call me like every single morning of her life. And she would talk to me. And there's this one morning where I was trying to talk to her and she was coming back with things that were like way in left field and finally i was like candace please take a drink of coffee i can't even have a conversation with you she took a drink of coffee and within a couple minutes voila her mind was awake oh well she was there i was like okay now can we talk <laughs> right right because the frontal lobe which is in front of your brain <clears throat> is affected any drugs she took that coffee frontal lobe woke up oh voila she's there she's coherent she can make sense right wow. so when you take a drug the first part of your brain that is infected affected is that frontal lobe which holds your reasoning your right wrong rationale your morals concept of time it holds your inhibition ability to say no now i am not by any way excusing this but this is why people steal from grandma while they're using. Sure. Again, I'm not excusing it. However, that frontal lobe is affected yeah. when you take drugs. So you have to realize there is the addict you and there is you. The things that you did while you were an addict, it is because your body was affected, your frontal lobe was affected, and you made choices you would never do if you were sober. Yeah. We would never not show up to the birthday party if we were sober. Yeah. Right. Now I'm not making excuses for those behaviors, no. but you have to have a level of compassion and okay. understanding for understanding, yeah. how did I do those things? And not yeah. only that, but 
if you have family of loved ones who are addicts and they have done things again not excusing but just an understanding of how can they do that that's why yep. that's why they can do it this is this so, is what this is keep going i'm sorry i want to interrupt <clears throat> so that is another thing that um i always comes up at some point in the treatment and i don't put limits on treatment some people need me two months some people need me for eight yeah. years it, yeah. it's whatever but that does that is something that comes up so you have to be able to look at that now you make your amends you do all of that sure. but there has to be a point where you look at and say that was the addict me that's not the real me as i was going to say <laughs> this is why i do the podcast i mean i like i said just these are this is great stuff because you know when an when an addict or alcoholic and i can only speak for myself but when i have said things in the past i don't know why i did this you know scott how could you do this I don't know. I, I was hijacked. And that's kind of what you were saying in that, you know, I have stolen from grandma. I was raised by grandma. I, you know, things would take over and I do these things. And there's things that, I, you know, I would feel terrible for later on. But in the moment, it was the right thing to do. I had to do it. I had to do ABC and I had to do it now. I, that's not a justification and I would never use it just right. like you said, but it's, it is what it is and it's both bad choices and it is, you know, um, being hijacked mentally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, you know, we're not excusing the behaviors. We're not saying you don't make amends, sure. but it is having that level of understanding and compassion for yourself and um, also perhaps for others, you know, <clears throat> that have done things now that doesn't mean we don't ever need to set a boundary or say hey you know what not healthy for me to be in this relationship with you whatever um but especially for the self because people beat up themselves for many many years of how could i do this and why did i do that the other thing that we do notoriously as humans is we beat ourselves up for the choices we made in the past based off of the information we have today. You did not have the same knowledge or information that you have today that you had two years ago. Right. It just simply didn't. But we will judge ourselves and take that knowledge we yeah. have today and we will judge ourselves for what we did two years ago, five years. But we are not the same person. No. We do not have the same knowledge. Yeah. That's great. That is great. So you have to under you have to be able to look at that person three years ago and say, okay, yeah, well, they weren't really the smartest, were they? <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, they just you simply just didn't have the same knowledge. You didn't have the same experiences, the same knowledge. So, how were you supposed to make a different choice? You can say, well, I should have. Well, okay, but you still don't have. The knowledge you have right now right so if you would have known oh i'm gonna go to jail i'm gonna do this or that but you had never experienced going to jail you really don't know do you right now after you go to jail you're like oh i should have but now you really know don't want to do that that's a great point yeah so there has to also be a level of compassion there that you just didn't have the knowledge you just didn't you can should it all day should could would but you just didn't yeah 
Yeah, I mean, you're, for me, I was working on the knowledge that it's going to be different this time, even though, you know what I mean? It, it never was, it was never that, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I did two months, so I can go back and then I'll do two months again later, or, you know what I mean? But th- no, those are all, those are all great points, you know? Yeah, so one of the things that happens is, um, and that's a, that's the main thing, like, there is no such thing as one. It is not something you will ever control. Um, so like alcohol, for example, all drugs really, but we'll take alcohol, for example, people think that they're drunk. You're not drunk. You're poisoned. Alcohol is a poison. It goes into the body, it poisons the body and you become drunk, right? But your blood, your kidney, your liver, your lymph can't get this poison out fast enough. So next thing you know, you're kind of falling over, right? And alcohol is actually also a depressant. Um, And that's why people end up in the bar fight, domestic violence, uh, crying. It's actually a depressant. So when you um, take this substance and you keep taking the substance, what happens is, is your body's actually trying to figure out how to save your life. So your body learns how to metabolize this poison faster and faster and faster. And that is what we call increased tolerance. And that process never ends until it kills you. Never ends. And the thing though is about those cells. Those cells are also super intelligent. They're dynamic. They don't, DNA is actually a storage medium. And Everything you have ever ate, ever done, your entire life is stored in your cells. It never, ever, ever forgets your addiction. Now, it can fade, but it never actually forgets your addiction. So that is why when you have relapse, it's only a matter of a few days and you're back to where you stopped. Usually plus some. That is why. Well, yeah, DNA is storage medium. See, these. It is I a mean, storage medium. It is, yeah. Yeah, they've had um, scientific studies, research done. They can store data onto DNA, but yeah. your cells are a storage medium. They are intelligent. They do not forget. There's actually, um, I think the studies now, it started out with seven and then there was 14, but now there it's like 20 generations of DNA information. So that's 20 grandpas ago. Yeah. On your DNA. I mean, yeah, if you just think about it, obviously, you know, you, you, you'll you see a grandchild or as they grow up, you know, you'll, you'll see features of their grandparents in them. Your DNA knew that as you were being created and it stored all that information. I mean, yeah. it completely makes sense. Well, and that's why you get the one person who's got the green eyes or yeah. whatever. And you're like, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. So, oh. so this is what I do. This is why... You know, I seen your thing and I thought I can go and talk about this. Well, I'm so glad you did, because, I mean, like I said, you know, there's there's ways there's 
I have heard so many uh, meetings and so many things and somebody will be saying something, but they'll change a couple words. And then it's like, wow, that makes a lot more sense. And I felt that about four times or more in this conversation alone on, on just the way you were presenting things. So, so I really hope that it'll help some people. You know, I never know when a, like I can feel podcasts can be great and then I upload it and then I hear nothing. And then I'm like, oh, that one was a man. And then all of a sudden I'm getting DMs and comments like, wow, this was, this helped me so much. Wow, this, uh, you know, when they said this, this really brought something, uh, you know, to the forefront or whatever. So I just think, you know, I, I just really enjoy doing this. And I'm really glad that, you know, I we connected on LinkedIn. And um, what what else are you doing? I see that you do um, on your LinkedIn, you said a speaker. Do you do a lot of speaking? I, well, I do podcast and then um, oh, awesome. uh I used to do like my own and I have like a, a Facebook group and I have um, other things that I do, but my, the other work that I do is geared towards uh, energy work. Awesome. So um, it's not necessarily geared towards substance abuse. I mean, it's inner, it's there, they go together because really it's all healing. Um, and as far as the speaking um, I've done, a couple of those but that's actually ultimately my goal okay great is that's what i want to do right right um if i could like eventually retire from my job and do speaking that would be great wouldn't it be wouldn't that be fun i i, I love be. doing it people are terrified they're like why how do you get on a podcast and talk like that well for one, I, I grew up through doing construction. I had to do a lot of presentations in front of a lot of people that were very nitpicky. When you say, I'm sure you know about OSHA. When you're dealing mm -hmm. with things and you're trying to present things in, in a way that, that that's good. So that helped. Um, mm -hmm. But I love it yeah. too. So I, I go ahead. And if you have a podcast or you want to plug anything, please feel free. And hopefully anybody that listens to it will come check you out. Um, well, I, I do have a podcast. I haven't put anything on it for a while. Um, so it's, I mean, it's there. My, my, so I work for Sacred Heart, which is a company, um, and they're kindly conventional, right? And I stay in that realm with them, right but I have a side business that's called Soul Essentials Healing. And through that, I have integrated my years of being a mental health counselor substance abuse counselor and then also um, my trainings in energy work such as reiki um, but i'm also a certified hypnotherapist i'm a certified oh, wow. auricular acupuncturist oh wow um i have a, i have a bunch of certifications and i kind of integrate all of them and so i mean if anybody wants to look that up they're welcome to do okay. that yeah. but i didn't really have any uh goals or motives i yeah. was just thought i'd come on here and support yeah, your yeah. podcast and well and yeah and i tried to support everybody because the more pathways are available the more information people have um you know i've had people you know uh, from all different pathways come on and talk and I, I feel like i'm on my own pathway you know um i butt head with aa sometimes because my thoughts are a little different i love aa i, I have two big books and so they're both highlighted and sticky noted all over the place mm. you know I, i've been down that road and it's it's been part of my foundation um but yeah the, the more pathways that are available to people like acupuncture that's something i'd like to look into one day just to learn more about it if that's yeah, what can actually, save you uh sacred heart offered that i've always wanted it because chinese medicine and acupuncture actually saved my life once 
Oh, wow. I was just so ill and I couldn't get the doctors to figure it out. And one treatment with acupuncture, that's better. One, one treatment. Oh yeah. I was so ill. So, so ill. It was after my um, brother committed suicide and I just became so ill after that. And I like couldn't eat anything. I ended up with a kidney infection. I was so sick. And I pulled into this acupuncture place and I just went in and I just said to the lady, like, I'm dying. And one treatment, I look better. Wow. It Does was it amazing. So, Does yeah. it hurt at all? I, I mean, mean it's um, like a millisecond. Old. It's like, yeah. I mean, once it's in, it's done. So Sacred Heart actually offered auricular acupuncture training. I took that back in 2011. Okay. Um. And it is specific for addiction and it's specific for detox, wow. but it does work for other things. Sure. So they, I don't, I, the person who did that is not even with Sacred Heart anymore, but I, Sacred Heart offered that years ago. And I, um, pre COVID when I ran a group, I would do meditation and acupuncture together. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So um, <clears throat> but the, I mean, there's many ways to finding your internal peace and many ways to finding your path. And I always let the client, you know what, it's, it's up to you, whatever works for you. If it's safe and sober, I'm all for it. Right. You know, and, and many people, they go different ways. So I'm all about, I'm all about that. That's Find great. In your own way. Yeah. It's, it's so refreshing to hear. And, you know, like when I was first coming into this, this whole thing, you know, it was the, the feeling I got was AA or nothing. Go talk to a therapist, oh, yeah. but it's AA or nothing. And then you get into that realm of AA and then you'll find people like, well, <clears throat> you know, then you get the support superiority complex, which is ego, which is opposite of what oh, AA yeah. is supposed to do, you know? And it's just, yeah. <clears throat> Being able to just even present, hey, have you ever heard of refuge recovery? Hey, have you ever heard of acupuncture? Hey, have you ever tried this? Yeah. You know, just to just to be able to show people there are other doors to walk through and explore. Well, and that's the thing for me is um, the the energy work as was actually my key. Like okay. out of all the things, like that was the one that was like, okay, this is it. This is where I'm at, and. Um, you know, I have clients that will come to me. They can't stand meetings. They hate them. Yeah. Never go. And they stay sober. Yeah. And then I have clients that go every day. And I'm open. I don't care. Whatever yep. works for you, you know, if every day works for you or if never. And I, but I do suggest that you do something else. If you don't, you need something. Right. Right. Whether <clears throat> it's church or whether like me, I do the energy work or right. If you do smart recovery or you do, you do need something, yep. right. To yep. give, give you kind of that, like fulfillment, that connection. That connection's huge. Yeah. Because I mean, the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And so if you don't do that, you're yeah. insane. <laughs> I, I don't know why I can't stop it. Well, you're not trying anything new. Well, I know, but why can't I, you know what I mean? You gotta, yeah, you gotta add to it. This was really fun, April. I really appreciate that. Maybe Thank sometime you. we can uh, hook up again and talk about the energy thing a little more in depth. I I, I think I, I want to keep it around 40 minutes because attention spans a little short and you had so much good information. Uh, I, I really want to get, get this uploaded and get it plugged. I'll send you a link to the YouTube video 
And then you can listen back. Uh, anybody can listen back on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, uh, it's really great to meet you. I know that, you know, Sacred Heart is all over the state, so we'd probably never get a chance to meet in person. But uh, uh, really, really, really great to meet you and, and, and hear this message. It was great. Thank you, April. Thank you. All right. Have a great rest of your Sunday. You too. Bye-bye.